Hi, I'm Dominic Insinius, leader of The Heart. I want to welcome you to The Heart Podcast. Thank you for letting us be a small part in your journey of faith. I hope this message today encourages you and strengthens you. Big things can happen when we expect God to move, so I pray today that God would speak to you through this message. What is going on, everyone? I always tell myself when I set my timer, and I just don't do it, so get ready for this. Thanks for hanging with me in that. Um, just it's going to be a couple hours, so hopefully you guys had some snacks on the way in. It's going to be a long one today. Uh, my name is Dominic Insinius. I'm the leader here at The Heart. And um, before we get going into the message, I want to say, and I'm sure you've heard it today uh, from a few people, but happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to uh, the moms, the grandmoms, the stepmoms, the adopted moms. Um, it's, uh, it's tough being a mom. I don't know from personal experience, but from all of the moms I've ever talked to in my life. They have said it's tough being a mom, and uh, but I can tell you that it is worth it because I'm grateful for my mom. I'm grateful for, uh, for uh, uh, the moms that I know in my life and all the wonderful kids that they are raising. I know I like to give the kids in my life a hard time for being little punks, and they are. Not today, though. You know, not today. Today is a good day. Uh, so happy Mother's Day uh, to you guys. Thank you so much for choosing to spend today with us. Um, I, always, I always think that the biggest um, uh, competition to a Sunday morning is not another church. Uh, it's not a restaurant. It is your bed. It is a nice, comfy bed with the AC going, maybe the fan on low, right? Maybe a rain sound on. Man, that sounds really nice. Might go take a nap after this. So I'm grateful that you guys are here uh, today with us this morning. We are smack dab in the middle of a series called So Cliché. And what we like to do, what we normally do, what we usually do, is we spend four or five weeks on a particular topic, and we dig into this idea or topic and find out what can we learn from this, how can we apply it to our faith. Anytime it comes to a particular kind of, uh, of message or, or a connect group or anything that we do here at the heart, it's important for us that we focus on how we can apply it into our life. We rarely will look at something or study something or read something just so we can gain more knowledge. There's nothing wrong with gaining knowledge, but we want to be able to apply what we are learning. We want to be able to apply what we are studying, how we can take this into our real life. And so what this, this idea of so cliche is we've, we've talked over a few. We're looking at some cliches that we say in our life or maybe some people that have said these cliches to us. And how they affect us. Do they really mean anything? Are they helpful? And if they're not helpful, why do we keep saying them? And maybe some of them are helpful, but there's, there, there can be some different intention and wording behind them. And a cliche, obviously, is just a phrase that has kind of like lost its power, lost its meaning. First week we said everything happens for a reason. Everything happens for a reason. A great cliche doesn't mean a whole lot to people. Last week, Crystal brought y'all a message, and the cliche that, we, that she talked through was, I'll be praying for you. That's a cliche. Unless you're doing it, then it's not. But if you're not, then it is. Just write that down for later. And so today, the, the, the cliche I want to look at, well, first I want to ask you a question. Here's a question I want you to have in your mind for the next 20 minutes or so that we're hanging out together. And that question is this. Are you more willing to help people 
if they are taking steps to help themselves? Are you more willing to extend a hand to someone that is trying to do better, that is trying to, to be more? We're more willing to help people if they are willing to help themselves. So maybe you've heard that cliche, God helps those who help themselves. God helps those who help themselves. And it makes sense because we do, because we're more willing in general. Maybe you said no to that question. That's okay. Maybe you've heard the phrase, well, God helps those who help themselves. Maybe you've said that phrase, well, God helps those that help themselves. And we look at ourselves and we think, well, we are more willing to help people that are helping themselves. And this was interesting for me, and I've shared a lot of my journey with y'all. I'm not, I don't hide who I am and the issues I have and, you know, what I'm going to counseling for and all that kind of stuff. But this cliche here, it really hits home for me. God helps those that help themselves. Because I really believe that. I think that on the deepest levels of me. The unhealthiest parts of me think, God will help me once I make steps to help myself. And this is, uh, that, that idea extends to my relationships, extends to my friends. That idea extends to the people I work with. That idea extends to the people I know. That the more I can do for you, the more you will be willing to help me when I need help. The more that I can show that I am making an effort, the more when I need help from you, you would be willing to help me as long as you see that I am making an effort. Maybe growing up in school. Anybody ever was on the teetering edge? You were almost about to fail. And if, and if the teacher saw that you were making an effort, right, I would always be like, I'm making an effort. You bet I am. Here's an effort. Just don't let my parents see that I got a C. Let's bump it up to a B. I'm making an effort. Right? I'm going to do some extra credit so they see that I'm making an effort because the teacher sometimes is willing to help those that are trying to help themselves. And we do this sometimes, don't we, in relationships. Not just me, maybe you and your relationship. You ever, somebody has given, you know, somebody's had some attitude. You ever had a friend that had some attitude or a husband or, or a wife or a kid? Not on Mother's Day. Everybody's happy today. Everything's great. Other days, somebody has an attitude and you reach out and, you say, hey, is everything okay? And they don't respond. They don't respond to a text. They don't answer your phone call. Uh, for the younger people, a phone call is when you pick up a phone, you dial the phone number, and you talk to the person, you hear their voice. Um, that's just for the, the Zers, the Zoomers. Ba great ways to alienate the people listening to you. Perfect. Um, <laughs> somebody doesn't respond. And you think, okay, well, they might be having a bad day, so you try to reach out to them again the next day, right, or the next week. And you get maybe a small response, but nothing, and you're trying to reach out. And then after a while, if you're anything like me, you say something like, what, am I supposed to do all the work in this relationship? Am I supposed to do all the work? Am I supposed to do all the reaching out? I don't have time to reach out to you all the time. I have other things going on, and maybe you're not, you're not that sarcastic about it, but for all of us, there is a limit, there's a time, and it's not a bad thing, boundaries are a good thing, but there's a limit, there's a time where we're like, I'm not just going to keep at begging you to tell me what's wrong. Anybody ever been in an, any kind of relationship before? I'm not going to keep begging you to tell me what's wrong. If I say what's wrong and you don't say it, what am I supposed to do? This is, uh, my marriage is fine. I'm just giving you examples. 
My wife is actually out today. She's going to help uh, her sister. My sister-in-law, brother-in-law, just had a baby a couple days ago. So happy Mother's Day to Bianca. If you're watching, she's probably not. (laughs) We tell ourselves, am I supposed to do all the work here? If you're not willing to make a step, if you're not willing to meet me halfway, if you're not willing to come at least a little bit this way, man, I can't keep doing all of the work here. So when we hear the phrase, God helps those who help themselves, it makes sense to us as humans. It makes sense to us because a lot of our relationships at work or, or, or our romantic relationships or the friendships that we have, a lot of our relations look like that. Like, look, I'm willing to meet you halfway. I'm willing to help. I'm willing to be in this with you. But I need something from you. I don't think that's wrong to think that. I don't think it's weird to think that. I think it is the most natural thing in the world. And that's why this cliche hits me a little bit differently. That's why it hits me close to my heart. Because I think also if people in my life, if I, that's how I approach relationships, then maybe if I'm not careful, if we're not careful, we approach our, our relationship with God in the same way. We approach spirituality in the same way. We approach our faith in the same way. Where as long as we are willing to meet God halfway, then he's going to be willing to help us. Then he'll be willing to meet us where we are. So as we do every week, I want to look at a couple of scriptures that can maybe help us wrap our mind around this particular topic. Now, rarely does the Bible directly address a topic that we have on a Sunday, unless we were going through the Bible week by week, and there are churches that do that. So what we try to do is look at the Bible as a guide, as a way to understand the teachings of Jesus, the ways of God. There's a lot of things we deal with now that they didn't deal with back then. Tech problems, traffic, Wi-Fi. I mean, there could have been some, tra- some camel traffic. What's going on up there? <laughs> There's no horn. You got to yank on your camel. So I want to look at something today. I'm going to look at two scriptures today. One of them is in the book of Matthew, chapter 5. Now, what we're going to pick up on here is at the beginning of chapter 5 is what is referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. So if you don't read the Bible, uh, Matthew chapters 5, 6, and most of chapter 7 uh, is basically a long sermon that Jesus is delivering. And he, he's talking mostly to, to his disciples. His disciples are up close, but there's some other people around there, and they're, they're listening in on what he has to say. And so this is at the very, very beginning of this sermon, of this message, right? They just did their announcements. They're like, hey, we're doing a baptism in a couple of weeks. (laughs) Meet us at the Jordan River. Okay. Here we go. This is chapter 5, verses 3 and 4. Here's what Jesus starts off with. He says, what happiness comes to you when you feel your spiritual poverty? What happiness comes to you when you feel, feel your spiritual poverty? For yours is the realm of heaven's kingdom. What delight comes to you when you wait upon the Lord, for you will find what you long for. What happiness comes to you when you feel your spiritual poverty. Another way that that is said in another translation is, blessed are those who are poor and understand their need for God. What happiness comes to you when you feel your spiritual poverty. Why would Jesus think it is good for you to feel your spiritual poverty? Why would Jesus want you to realize how poor you are in spirit? 
this isn't in the middle of the message when people start to doze off or start checking their phones there on the, on the, on the mountain, right? This isn't the, towards the end of the message where people are ready to wrap this thing up. This is the first phrase that he says in this sermon on the mount. And this message on the top of this mountain, he says, what happiness comes to you when you feel your spiritual poverty? He wants you to understand how poor you are spiritually because when you realize how poor you are spiritually, that's when you start to see heaven's kingdom realm. That is fascinating to me, and I want it to be fascinating to you. I don't know if it is. But, but I want to follow that up with another scripture. So this is, uh, again, this is the book of Matthew. It's one of the four gospels, kind of the account of Jesus here on earth and the things he said and the people he talked to. And if you're taking notes, write this down here. The more we help ourselves, the less room we leave for God to do work at us. The more we take time to help ourselves, the less room we leave for God to work. If we're only focused on helping ourselves, how much can we lean on God? Now, it could be easy to say that all you have to do is let God do everything and you don't do anything yourself. And that's not true. I don't believe that. I read a lot of books to improve myself. I listen to podcasts. I go to therapy. I talk to people about my anxiety and all this kind of stuff. I'm doing a lot of things to help myself. I'm doing a lot of things to make myself a better person. But if I'm not careful, I will lean on what I can do. And if I get stuck in a rhythm, okay, I don't want to get to it myself. Hold on, everybody calm down, all right? Everybody calm down. You're getting a little excited here. Just slow down. I want to look at the book of Ephesians, which is actually a letter written to the people of Ephesus. And when I look at a little piece of this, it's towards the beginning of a letter written by a man named Paul. And Paul was writing to a group of people, probably like us, really good-looking young group of people, probably. And he's explaining how to live out this Christian faith. And I love, I love this about humanity, that here we are 2,000 years later, and we are still trying to figure out how to walk in the ways of God. I absolutely love that. I love that we can keep being in this together, keep figuring this out together. So I want to look at Ephesians chapter 2, and we're going to look at verses 4 and 5. Watch this. But God still loved us with such great love. Watch this. He is so rich in compassion and mercy. Remember that word mercy. Write that down. Write down mercy. Even when... Even when we were dead and doomed in our many sins, he united us into the very life of Christ and saved us by his wonderful grace. Write down mercy and grace if you're taking notes at all or take a photo of this or whatever you got to do. Mercy and grace. Even when I know that I'm looking at this scripture through the lens of today's message. I know that. I know that when I was reading this this week, I was thinking of God helps those who help themselves. I know that I'm biased. But when I see words like mercy, when I see words like grace, these are words, these are actions, these are things that God does, who God is, that are unmerited. 
that are undeserved, that are gifts freely given, not things that come to you halfway. Grace is not something that you receive halfway into God's kingdom. Grace is not something that you get when you finally get your life together. Mercy is not extended to you when you finally say the right prayer. You know how I know? Because it says right here, smack dab in the middle, even when. Not even when, when you barely started counseling. Not even when, when you finally got your life together a little bit. Not even when you finally apologized to the people that you hurt. Even when you were dead and doomed. Even when there was no hope for you. Even when you were dead and doomed. God chose mercy and grace for you. Even when you were dead and doomed, God looked at you, God looked at humanity, God looked at us and said, worth it. A little bit of mercy, grace. That's what God chose to do. Do you see that? You see that? That is not a halfway gift. That is, that is not, can you put in some work at least? Can you, can you at least pretend that you want my help? Watch this. If you're taking notes, write this down. If God helps those who help themselves, if God helps those who help themselves, then he lacks the grace that we just read. How could there possibly be grace? I should have looked this up. Somebody look up grace and yell it out to me. Somebody look up grace real quick on your phones. If God helps those who help themselves, Matt, real quick. Uh, does Android get, uh, somebody have an iPhone maybe? <laughs> uh, if God helps <laughs> If God helps those who help themselves, then he lacks the grace that the Bible says he has. That doesn't make sense to some of us, especially if we grew up in this mentality, if we grew up in this church, if we grew up in a religion that said, no, you need to put in the work. You need to, okay, okay, grace, yell it out. (laughs) Yeah, the verb, I think. Okay. <laughs> Just keep reading them till we get the one I want. <laughs> uh, and that summarizes church at the heart. Courteous goodwill. Grace is a gift. Mercy is a gift. And if God is picking and choosing who he's helping, depending on if you are doing your part, your part or not, then there is no grace in that. If you're loving your kids only when they're trying hard, that is not love. If we're taking care of each other only if we're doing the right things, that we're picking and choosing, then we're in a tough spot. I am so grateful that God doesn't extend mercy or grace once I start trying harder. Because what I read there is even when I was dead and doomed, even when I was hopeless, even when I was in the worst part of my mess, God helps those who help themselves. I don't think so. Watch this. If you're taking notes, write this down. How will you know what is enough for God? If God says, I'll help you when you help yourself, how do you know how much, 
helping of yourself you need to do before God can help you? How do you know? Because if you play this game of what is enough for God to help me, that game of what is enough for God only keeps you in a cycle of trying harder when God wants you to know that you are enough. How hard do you need to try? I don't know. It's subjective. When I was in school and the teacher said, I need, you to, see, I need to see an effort, what does that even mean? What kind of effort? How much effort? Can you see what a dangerous religious game that would be if we were constantly saying, is this enough for God? Does God love me now? Will God help me now? Is this enough for me to know that God wants to help me? Am I trying hard enough for God to love me? Am I trying hard enough for God to help? And maybe, maybe I'm making a leap from God helping you to God loving you. Maybe so. Because the phrase isn't, God loves those who love themselves. The phrase is, God helps those who help themselves. So maybe I'm making a leap. But what I'm saying, for me, for me in my life where I'm at, the way I think, the way I process, it is not a big leap for me. From help to love. Because my love language is acts of service. Anybody know the love languages, the five love languages? If, you're not, if you don't know, you should look it up out of here when you get out of here. My love language is acts of service. When people do things with me, when people help me, I feel loved by that. And I know you're not me. I know you don't think the same way I do. But maybe it's not so difficult for you to connect God helping you with God loving you. Wouldn't God want to help people? You know, people like me, maybe you've been to church before, maybe you haven't been to church, and you hear things like, God loves you, God loves everyone. But make sure you're trying hard, so that way when you need help, God will help you. Okay, last thing I want you to write down. God is there for you and loves you before you even know how to help yourself. Do you see how, you see how mercy and grace find their way into that? You need grace to even know that you need God. You need mercy and grace to even know where you are in your journey of faith, to even know where you are in life. And so before you even know how to help yourself, before you even know what the next step is for you, I want you to know that God is there for you and loves you even before you know any of that even before you know how to help yourself, even before you buy that first self-help book, even before you start counseling, even before you reach out to people and apologize, whatever it is, that mercy and grace already exists. Remember we read it in Ephesians. Even when, Verse 5 says, even when we were dead and doomed, he united us into the very life of Christ and saved us by his wonderful grace. God doesn't help those who help themselves. God loves everyone where they are. That's what he did through Jesus. When Jesus came, there, see, there was this barrier. There was this barrier that's written about here. There was this barrier between us and God, and it was human brokenness, right? A lot of times referred to as sin, but sin can be a triggering word for a lot of us, and I can understand why. There was something between us and God. And you didn't try hard enough to break that barrier. I didn't try hard enough to break that barrier. 
even the barrier that was between us and God, God, through his mercy and his grace, he said, I am going to break the barrier. That's what we read about in here. Jesus came so that barrier could be broken. So anything that needed to be taken care of, anything that needed to be paid for, anything that needed to be out of the way so that God could show us that he loves us and is there for us, that is why Jesus came. Jesus came to teach us, to show us what it meant to live a life connected to God. Not so you could try harder. I mean, and I get it. I get it with, you know, the world we live in. We love self-made people, right? We love people who, like, we love stories of the underdog that grew up poor and now they're financially successful or, you know, some player that, you know, grew up in poverty and was able to make it to professional sports or whatever. We love those underdog stories so we can get our minds around the idea that if you work hard enough, people will help you. And maybe that's true. Maybe there is something to be said. Uh, Not maybe. There is something to be said with working on yourself and making yourself a better version of yourself. But we can't define our worth on trying harder. I I, I told you at the beginning that this, this one is hard for me because that is exactly what I do. I define my worth on the people around me. I define my worth on how much I help people. Can you see what a dangerous drug this might be for me? I define my worth. If people love me, I, oh, I, I think people will love me if I do stuff for them. People will enjoy my company if I am adding value to them. I don't see myself as valuable unless I am helping you. That is the unhealthiest version of the way I think. So it's been dangerous for me to be in this faith where I think, is God only valuing me if I do a lot of stuff for him? Does God only value me if I'm helping? And what I want to encourage you today, whether you think like me or not, here's what, here's, here's what I want to encourage you with today, is God sees you right where you are. God knows who you are. God loves who you are, and he has already extended mercy and grace. Whether you're helping yourself or not, God's there for you. And if you want to take a next step in faith, then do it. If you're not ready yet, then don't. But this cliche of God helps those who help themselves, that is a recipe for trying harder. And God doesn't need you to try harder. God needs you to know that you are already enough, that you are already worth it, and that you are already loved. So if you could, I want you to close your eyes for a moment and bow your heads. I want to pray for you today. I want to pray for you about something in particular. And I want to, and I want to give you a challenge. So if, if you still have your eyes open, close them, because I want to ask you to raise your hands for something. If you have felt ever in your life that God will help you as long as you do enough or try enough or are enough, I want to give you a chance today to take a step of faith and say, you are going to, maybe just this week, Choose to believe what we read here today. Choose to believe that even when you were dead and doomed, God extended mercy and grace to you, and he loves you right where you are no matter what mess you're in. And if you this week want to believe that with me, on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. Let's do it. One, two, three. Put your hand up in the air. Leave it there for a second. Okay, put it down. Let's put it down. Let's pray. God, we are so grateful to have you. 
We are so grateful to have a God who, who gives us mercy and grace, undeserved, unmerited, who sees us right where we are, who doesn't wait for us to meet you halfway. You don't wait for us to do enough work that you give us the love we need before we even know we need it. We're grateful for that, God. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Heart Podcast. At The Heart, our mission and goal is to connect people to the heart of God. If you would like to pursue a relationship with Jesus Christ, please visit us at www.theheart.church for more information. If today's message connected with you, we want to invite you to share it with someone who might benefit from it. And if you live near San Marcos, Texas, we'd like to invite you to visit us this Sunday morning. We have two experiences for you to choose from at 9.30 and 11 a.m., all happening at the Spot Cinema House and Eatery. Remember to be bold this week and connect with those around you. It's how our relationships grow and how your faith grows.